Hey everyone, I'm Jay. And I'm Sophia, and welcome to Witches Betwixt. Today we're going to be talking about um, rekindling the spark. The last couple of recording sessions that we've done, we've kind of talked about disconnect and, you know, feeling feeling far away from things and, and struggling to connect. And I feel like we didn't um, give too much information or didn't talk too much about sort of like um, how to overcome that entirely. And so that's what I want this episode to to be focused on. But um, and it is pretty it is pretty much on topic um, before we get into, you know, discussing like the main topic and stuff. Sophia, I'd like to hear more about the um, the workshop that you went to today. Oh, yeah. So I went to um, a vision board workshop at the, the behest of my friend. It was a really good idea. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was going to be like a thing where they sit down and explain very dryly to us, like the principles of making a vision board. And personally, I don't even know where the tradition comes from. But essentially what it was is we were handed a real big table, a whole fuckload of art supplies and magazines and scissors and glue. And, uh, really really big paper like I think my piece is it's like 24 inches by like 36 so it's pretty it's pretty big and we just cut out a whole bunch of stuff and glued it on and um it's kind of like making a collage from the 90s if you're if you're one of those uh 90s kids or early 2000s kids who ended up doing that with old magazines and um except you do it with the express purpose of like putting stuff on that either like represents you or things you want to bring into your life right so with me I did it all art themed because I'm like very much in the space of setting myself up as an artist um beginning to perform my poetry in public and open mics and I'm working on getting a book published ideally uh, on this upcoming winter so I really went with like a theme of like witchcraft and art and like it's so cool like if I were to describe it there's like a picture I have of a girl with like smoke in her lungs and she's looking up and then like above it is a picture I cut out of like a brain shape that's made up of a whole bunch of people cuddled together and there's like uh 30 different people in that photo shaping up a brain and it's kind of funny because it's me it's like ooh, I get really stoned and then think about cuddling with a bunch of people in a pile (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty uh pretty on brand for you yeah, but, like, as a polyamorous woman, that's also something I want is, like, more partners because I only currently have one partner and that's definitely something I wanted to work on, right? And then, like, right next to that is, like, um, a cow skull with a flower on it that's, like, been painted very beautifully. And I've put, like, um, a sticky jewel and, like, fake jewel-encrusted eye on it. So it looks fucking magnificent and there's like a jar holding space and like a girl's silhouette of her spinning but like her image from like her neck down is like replaced with the scene of like a coastline where like there's mountains cutting off and meeting the ocean and it's like 
all of these different vibes pulling together for like that whole mystical art experience that I really want to like convey and bring into my life, you know? And like another one's like got a, a lion roaring upwards with like the the image of a, a woman looking forward, like concealed within the shape of the lion, you know? And all of these things are like powerful imagery and you put it up on your wall or in a space where you're going to see it often. Now, those of you who've been practicing witchcraft for a while can easily recognize that this is essentially um, a temporary altar that you're making. Like um, an altar is often like a physical space where you have it set out and dedicated. And this is kind of like a modern revamping of that and utilizing the technique itself on like a case-by-case -case basis where you could work it for spells, which is of course what you can do with an altar, even though I know a lot of people like to keep a static altar, which is often like an altar that you don't really change much and it usually has like associative imagery to like a god or a goddess or like also very common is like seasonal altars where like you'll have one set for spring, summer, winter, fall, that sort of deal. Um, and yeah, like it's it's literally like the effect of taking all of these different components of what you want in your life and things that you feel represent you and tying it all together and putting heavy focus on it and then having like an artistic representation of it that's then physically held within your space to constantly like remind you of it and help you draw it into your life. You know, it's a little bit new agey um, and it's in its like theoretics from what I have heard people apply it like explain it but in application it's like extremely witchcraft as hell and I think it's actually pretty cool and I expected it to be a lot cheesier than it was going into it because when you hear you know vision board you think like middle-aged white woman Karen with like a bob haircut that's like slightly blonde dyed at the fringes asking to see the manager because you know, her vision board tells her that she's powerful and deserves nothing less than whatever, you know, but it's actually really cool. And it comes out and like, it ends up being an artistic representation of yourself and what you desire to have in your life. And it's kind of really great how that ties into rekindling yourself, you know, or like setting an intent to move forward in a space that you are deliberately creating something, you know? Yeah. Um, I was, I was kind of thinking like when you mentioned like collages in the nineties and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, like as print becomes less and less of a thing or more rare and hard to obtain, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen to the idea of vision boards, you know? Uh, you know what we did? We'd use the color printer to print out anything we fucking wanted off of Google. Oh, so you didn't have magazines or anything We had like magazines, that. but we also oh, okay. had a color printer. Almost okay. everything I got, aside from one image I knew I wanted to include, which was an anchor that has flowers around it, um, for, like, obvious reasons. If you know stuff going on in my personal life, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I printed out a picture of that to have it in the board to fit it. But everything else was just, like random art that spoke to me I was one of those lucky people who like was there early and plumbing through all the books and for the million um home like home books and like food books there were I got mm -hmm. lucky and found like art books and science books and space books and shit it was oh, really cool. good yeah I, I guess we also kind of have a bit of a modern day equivalent to that like kind of like Pinterest a little bit yeah kind of be like the 
the, the tech equivalent to that. I'm just thinking there's probably like a whole generation. It's kind of, of what uh, albums are. They're like those are kind of like electronic scrapbooking albums, and you could absolutely yeah. even like I know people who will do Pinterest uh, things like that for specific images and ideas directly relating to like how this this image board works, right? And it's mm-hmm. like kind of like how people will even do that on their Instagram. They're like, okay, I want a tattoo and I want to draw it into my life. So let's go follow every cool fucking tattoo artist I can find. And when something pops up that speaks to me, I'll know it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just that way of like saturating your environment with stuff that pulls you in the right direction, you know? So it seems like, um, the, 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 the tool of the vision board is actually a really great way to, to actually rekindle your spark for things mm-hmm. that you may feel a bit of a disconnect with. And it actually kind of encompasses all of these kind of main categories that govern our lives. Like you mentioned, um, like the group of people, you said it was a group of people around a, a brain. Is that what it was? Um, it's a group of people formed into the shape of a brain. Mm. as yeah. They all cuddle each other. Right, and you're saying, you know, like as someone who's poly, like that's that's what you want. You know, you want more more yeah. uh, more partners in your in your life. So like that, like and orgies, um, <clears throat> that too. That's also a thing. Um, so that really like ticks off the the box for you know relationships and and then of course you know you you put a a bunch of witchcraft elements into it. So there's your spirituality, magical practice of it. Um, and then schoolwork, hobbies, and projects. So, like, the vision board is really cool because it encompasses all of those things, and it's a good way to help you um, redirect your focus, which I thought was interesting. And I thought that was really cool that you actually ended up going to that kind of mm-hmm. workshop right been, before um, we recorded this particular topic. I've been riding a really good wave of synchronicity lately, and I just pray it keeps going because it's been so wonderful and stuff like this just like lines up when I need it and it's like I'm kind of like and this ties into like finding your spark again part Mm -hmm. of it for me was like letting go of being in control of everything because like I feel like when I had my spark earlier it was the wonder of not knowing and seeking you know what Mm. I mean And Mm -hmm. I feel like once you get your answers that you're looking for, if you get them, you're kind of like, I have arrived. Cool. What do I do now? Yeah. You know, and then you also or you can like end up very self-assured and I am Grand Sophia, magistrate of the nine <laughs> realms and none shall question my power. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah, and, you, you you feel that. You feel that surge. Yeah. And like, that's where the spark's gone. The moment that you feel like you're on top of the, I mean, not the moment you feel like you're on top of the world, but like the moment you feel like you have it all and there's nothing else to learn and that's it, you're done, baby. That's mm-hmm. when you lose it. It's got to be there in, like, that wonder, that mystery, that, like, enjoyment, that improvement, you know? And I find, like, for me, um, just listening to how things go, like, w- w- my friend just invited me to this, you know? And that was the same friend who invited me to something, like, uh, two weeks ago. And another friend invited me to, like, an open mic. And I'm just, like, working it not being closed off because I know that's my lesson right now and how I rekindle my spark is by like 
learning to trust in the universe a little again. I mean, I know mm. that sounds like cheesy as fuck, but it's true. I, I like for a long period in my life, I very much lost the um, the trust with the world. I felt like only my two hands could get me out of that situation that I was in. And for a large part, that was like something I needed to get out of those situations. Right. But at the end of the day, I didn't need to keep living like that you know and mm-hmm. um I got into a space where I only knew how to like project what I wanted onto the universe rather than like be receptive for what the universe wants to bring to me you know mm-hmm. and I missed so many good opportunities but I guess there were opportunities that I needed to miss too because you need to take time to learn that lesson too right yeah um because I think I think a lot of a lot of the a lot of the pro, uh, I guess really the base point when you're like oh I need to rekindle this you know spark for this particular facet of my life is when you're at a very very low point when you've when you just have so much either you have so much disconnect from um being really just not in tune with it or um, like you said, you know, you feel like you're, you've stat, you're, you're stagnant and you, you know all that there is to know. So there's really like two, two particular extremes in which you kind of lose, um, that spark for something. Um, <clears throat> it's either when you feel like you know nothing or you feel like you know everything and you really have to get kind of, something really has to rattle you in order for you to kind of reroute yourself. And, um, like for me, a lot of uh, a lot of that right now is focused on uh, my job because I keep thinking about I, I keep reading these um, I read these articles sometimes you know in the morning whenever drinking my coffee and it was something about like uh, 10, 10 tips that rich people do and I was like oh okay yeah click and um, basically it was talking about uh, how wealthy people view their wealth in terms of not necessarily in terms of money, but in terms of time. Um, so the idea was like, you can always get more money. You can always make more money, but you can't make more time. Mm-hmm. And that's something that really struck a chord within me. Cause I'm like, Hmm, I, I only like, I focus a lot on like, I need more money to do things. I need, you know, I need more money to do things. So I either need to find a second job or a better job or a side hustle or something to get me more money so I can be happier and do things. Um, but really, I think what it is, is I need more time. I need more time to commit to the things that are that are going to make me happy and the things that are going to produce a livelihood that I can be um pleased with and and happy with myself and that's just kind of um, a realization that I've had which kind of made me rekindle my spark for um, getting better at time blocking and time management for myself and it's actually really been helping me like I was talking about it um, the last time like how I, I schedule fun and I schedule leisure activities and I do because that it's, is the most J thing ever. I know. I know. I'm surprised that <laughs> I'm Taurus, not you? a Virgo. No, I'm an Aries. Uh, I mean, I think we've had this conversation before, but yeah, that makes sense. But my moon sign is Are fun. you a Taurus cusp? 
I don't know, on the 15th of April? Is that the cusp? That is so. not too far away. My sister's uh, the day before you, actually. Um, yeah. And I know that it's, like, around the 21st, 22nd. So y'all got some more Taurus energy than, say, my friend who's a um, March Aries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's definitely got a lot more Piscean, unstable emotional energy. Yeah, my sister's sure. a Pisces, so <laughs> he couldn't be more opposite if we tried. <laughs> Uh, but my moon sign is a Taurus, though, so I think I draw a lot of that from mm-hmm. from there. Yeah, if, if you got Aries close to Taurus on your cusp, and then you got moon Taurus as well, it also depends on, like, what house your sign is in, but mm-hmm. that's a topic for our astrology episodes. Yeah, that's a whole other episode, which I'm, I'm excited to do the astrology Which episode. we will, we, I know, um several astrologers and we'll be bringing in different people for different episodes and it's going to be wonderful mm-hmm. i'm excited it'll be like a little series that we're gonna do yeah um but yeah so i've I just been thinking a lot about time and how we can't get more of it and we can't make more of it you know we can always make money but we can't make time and so that's been really been helping me um get organized and it's, and it's helped me in uh in a lot of facets like you know, um hmm I have a really interesting thing I want to touch on with that. Do you mind if I jump into it? Yeah, go for it. You can make more time. And it's by, like, making habits that make you healthier, you know? Like, for example, if I were smoking cigarettes, how I could make more time is learning to quit, right? Or um, making space for exercise that I enjoy. Because then what I'm doing, that's, like, kind of how I cheat the system right is if I need more more stuff to get done like say I want fun time and physical activity rather than go lift weights I might go join a sword fighting class which is something I'm deeply passionate about so it allows me to have like that expression and that enjoyment and like that kind of combativeness I'd almost get to like get out of uh, playing video games and I could do that in like a space where I'm exercising and then like Mm -hmm. being happy and working out and then eating a little bit better. I know sometimes you're limited by like budget or your diet and stuff, but those things tend to actually do add to your longevity of your life and give you a little bit more time. Cause like you, you can't necessarily buy more time per se. That's definitely Mm -hmm. true. But if you don't make time to take care of yourself, you're going to get even less time in the end anyways. Yeah. And, and I kind of realized that like what I was doing, I was just like stressing out at work all day and then coming home and I was being so, mm-hmm. I was being so stressed about the time that I was at work being stressed out that I just, I was like crippled. Like I couldn't do anything else. It was really hard to, to, to do, to work on anything else that I wanted to do. Um, so I've in a way kind of, um, rekindled my my spark with my hobbies and projects I guess you could say and it's relevant to talk about too because rekindling your spark kind of like applies to us in the podcast and like Mm -hmm. how do we keep it fresh and engaging and like make sure our content's consistent and like not get fucking burnt out you know like Mm -hmm. it it takes a lot of work just to even get together every week and either like record an episode or like have one of those off weeks where we're not going to get too far ahead. So we have a meeting instead. Right. Right. Yeah. It, uh, it it definitely takes a lot. Yeah, it is very, it can be very draining. Um, but I guess you just have to figure out a way to make sure it's like draining in a good way. 
not I, training I find, in a bad way. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the the it's like I'll compare it here. It's the difference between lifting weights or going to the sword gym. I know mm-hmm. I love the sword gym, even if like. I'm groaning that I don't want to do the exercise by the time I'm there and I'm like swinging swords and I'm sweating and fighting and having a good time. I'm like, yeah, I was even worried that I, why I should come out. And it's just like recording the podcast, you know, like sometimes beforehand we'll all be like a little bit like, Oh fuck. I don't know if I have it in me tonight, but then you get out there with your friends and you're like talking and you're having a good conversation and you vibe and it's like cathartic and you get to talk about what's affecting you and afterwards you're like damn I needed that right it's just like that the effort of working yourself up to that hurdle and jumping your fucking ass over it and even if you knock the hurdle over a little bit because you're late or we have fuck-ups in the recording that makes Jay have to edit a lot more at least you you did something fucking knock as many hurdles over as you Mm -hmm. need to you know Mm -hmm. that's just how it goes and that's just kind of what made me push through like I'm Part of me really wanted to talk myself out of it and be like, oh, you're tired. You don't want to. It's not going to be a good episode anyway because you're in a mood. And I was, like, trying to, like, come up with all these excuses for myself why, like, we shouldn't record today. And I was like, you know what? No. This, like, you like this. You enjoy this. You enjoy this process. You just have to get past this this hurdle um, and you'll be fine. And I feel fine now. But it's just so funny, like, I was just feeling incredibly, like, not fine right before I hit the record button. Oh, I get you. I get you, man. Like, it's it's also nerves. It's like when I went to go read poetry live for the first time, I know that it was a loving space. There's no one who's going to belittle me or mock me. Everybody is earnestly there to support me and, like, hear what I have to say and, like have an honest emotional interaction about it but I still couldn't take my eyes off that screen my hands were shaking so much I almost dropped my phone I I was so nervous I could barely breathe and I had to struggle for air to read my poems properly and I rushed through them way faster than I could because I couldn't even like breathe and I felt like I was gonna puke and I was getting dizzy but I fucking I did it and in the end it was like it's not so bad and like everybody who talked to me afterwards was like wow you are so good and I'm like really and they're like yeah how could you not see that that's really good and I'm like I don't I don't know and I don't know sometimes it's fucking scary you know putting yourself out there and doing that shit like but when it's done it feels good and I think that's kind of like trying to rekindle your spark like Sometimes you just got to bite the fucking bullet. Like I like I said before, I am not the girl who wades into water. I got to just dive the fuck in. Mm-hmm. Not head first cuz that's how you break your fucking neck. Feet first, friends. Anyway. Yeah, for me I'm I'm a little bit of a hybrid. I think it depends on what it is, but when it comes to things that I am particularly passionate about, I really just jump right in. Mm-hmm. Like to use this podcast as an example, me and Scott talked about it. And I was like, well, we should do it because we would just sit in their kitchen for hours talking about witchcraft. And I was like, we should do a witchcraft podcast. And, you know, we offer this cool queer angle. And Scott was like, yeah, that'd be cool. In that very, like, that'd be cool, non-committal kind of way. Yeah. And then I kind of was just like, hey, um, I'm going to come over with a laptop 
and we're going to record a podcast. And they were like, oh, okay. And I was like, yep, so be ready. And we just, and we just dived right in. Um, should we have would should we have had more of a plan probably, but um, <laughs> it uh, it was also really nice to just to just jump in, hit the record button, and go, and yeah. here we are now. And Thirty seconds, I, some odd episodes later. Yeah, and and we have a and we have a third person, and now we have this like growing community. So, um, yeah. But now I also feel a bit more pressure because I'm like, oh, my God, people actually listen to this podcast now. Holy shit. That's crazy. It's it's weird. Like, I'm not pressured when I'm recording episodes. I'm pressured when somebody whose name I know takes notice and I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck. And then I like start second guessing myself. But we did a whole episode on imposter syndrome. I ain't going to rehash that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's there. We definitely we definitely uh, covered that very extensively. Um. But you mentioned the the poetry reading. You didn't talk more about that. How did I you? Mean, what made you do it? What, um, I had a a feeling because like I'm trying to write a book, and I'm I know that like, oh God, how do I put this? Whenever I see people performing, I like have this pining in my heart where I'm like. I want to do that. I want to be the person up on stage doing this cool fucking performance to music, wearing this outrageous outfit, uh, or like giving that emotional poetry that like rocks somebody to their core. Cause like I naturally think in like the mindset of a poet and naturally my train of thought could just, be written into into poems very often so the moment I found the medium I just like gravitated to it and I was like this fits this fits so well I have to do it and I wish it was like such a heavy click that I immediately became remorseful and longed for the years that I missed out on where I could have been writing poetry from a teenage from being a teenager right and Mm -hmm. like I I knew I'm in the I'm in my 30s now I I don't have time to sit and fuck around anymore it's grab the Mm -hmm. life by the goddamn horns do stuff you want to do because like you don't have forever and when I'm looking at it like this and it's like hey I want to write a book I want to perform everything just kind of rides up lines up and I've been riding that wave of synchronicity and some friends that I met happened to run a open mic night and I went to it and it was wonderful and I'm going to start doing it monthly now. That's awesome. Yeah. So do you think that doing the open mic night rekindled your spark with, um, with poetry and like writing no. again or just Not with performing? What it did was got me into the water of, doing poetry like performing Mm. poetry for people it's Mm -hmm. an entirely different thing to like sit right sit down and write a poetry book it's another to like write poems that are meant to be spoken aloud or are well spoken when you read them so 
fuck I could I could give you a, like a solid example between like two of my poems one looks very nice on paper and the words look beautiful but it doesn't sound as nice as this other one that looks less eloquent on paper but is very um very cohesive when spoken aloud you know and it taught me uh, a lot of things about the performance of spoken word and how much your inflection and pacing and just general demeanor really delivers the energy and the emotion behind the piece and I could sit there and read words deadpan and it would have very little impact or I could sit there and really pace through it and properly understand which part to wait on, which lines to hang and take a breath between, which lines to rush together into into like a few stanzas, you know, and like it didn't necessarily rekindle my love for poetry because I'm I'm like I had to take a little break because I definitely needed um time. What rekindled me was um actually hearing other people's poetry and not my own um Hmm. yeah that's something I definitely do um as an artist it's really easy to get stagnant with your own style and not necessarily grow so when I have like poetry books that I'm reading for artists I like I'll read a certain amount until I have an inspiration and I'll sit down and write something myself and that's never going to be the final draft I'll edit something like 10 times before I perform it right but I get the heart and the message and the feeling of something I want to convey on the paper even if it's not complete and I can come back to it right and like that's how I really inspire myself and um kind of rekindle that spark is observing other people and seeing what I want in my myself you know when you see something with a sense of longing or wistfulness it's a reflection of something you want yourself in your life right and I know that sounds obvious to say but it's not necessarily obvious in application you know right and it's not always something that's like um i think we all we kind of perpetuate this idea of like oh it's just a dream it's a dream of mine but it'll never happen and it's you know that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case like for me what i always i would have that that sense of longing for um it would be like uh i really i really feel like i missed out on the golden days of youtube Mm -hmm. in a way um, because when, like when I was middle school, even into high school, um, I would like make guitar, uh, make videos of like me playing guitar, um, maybe like little blog type videos that I didn't even know were blog type videos at the time. And I just remember I had posted this, I had uploaded this video to YouTube of me playing guitar and it got some comments and it was and I was, like, super happy about it. I was like, oh, cool. Like, maybe I, like, want to make videos or something like that. And my parents found out that I uploaded myself to the internet. And they lost their goddamn minds. My sister actually ratted me out. She was like, yeah, you uploaded and then a video to the internet. And everyone's going to find out where you live. Snitch! And yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Three years younger than me. So, of course. Um I guess in her mind, like, my parents were very fear-mongering when it came to the internet. They still are, actually. Um, they didn't view it as, like, a place of, like, creativity and 
and community and conversation. They just viewed it as like, people are going to find you and abduct you. Um, but the video was just like in Katie's bedroom. So there was no like indication of where I was, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just playing guitar, sitting on Katie's bed and you know, it had gotten some comments stuff, but then, you know, and then my, and and because of that experience, they were like, you got to take that video down and you're, you're never allowed to upload videos to the internet ever again. And so like that just like, it killed my my inspiration yeah, it killed my drive and i think that was honestly the golden days of youtube because that's where you know a lot of our a lot of uh youtubers that are popular now like really started to to post videos and stuff yeah, so 2007, i get 2015 is like yep, the, the real the story days blew up yeah and it really bums me out when I think about that because I'm like, man, like trying to get started now on YouTube is it's not impossible, but it's a lot different and it is more difficult than it used to be just because now they've figured out a way to monetize and capitalize and, you know, put put, uh, I guess, gates in in the way. But I always look at um, people that are, I guess, you not YouTubers in the sense of like popular YouTubers, but YouTubers that are popular in their particular uh, like niche communities, like, you know, witchcraft or um, queer YouTubers or whatever the case is. I always look at, or gaming. And I always look at that, like the idea of having either a YouTube channel, a Twitch channel, or just a very successful podcast, some, some sort of media that reaches out to people that has a community is something that I look at other people that have that. And I have that sense of longing for, and I'm like, that's what I want. Like that's, I want to like have this community and I want to, to really be the driving force behind a community of really cool people. Um, and I'm working on that goal right now. I'm just, I do, but I do feel a sense of like, wow you know like i'm 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 28 and i'll be i'll be 29 in april and so i know that feeling of like well i'm not getting any younger and i don't and i can't exactly go back in time and like apply all these ideas to then so i have to do something about it now and i have to like find a way to like fast track what i want and that's just kind of been the driving force behind behind that but yeah that's that's definitely the thing that that's definitely the thing that i have that sense of longing and desire to have because i'm always talking about like streaming i'm always talking about like i have like so many youtube video ideas but my my problem is is like in a in a youtube video format i guess there's there's kind of been this expectation that's been set of you know what the youtuber personality should be you know, like very like peppy and this and that and talk really fast and be and I'm like, but that's not me. There's a lot of different personalities though that people mm-hmm. really click to, and I definitely don't want you to sell like yourself and the YouTube community short because there's a lot of new people that like I follow, for example, even who um, haven't really blown up yet but are in the process of doing so. You mm-hmm. know. And I've followed this one channel. I'm not going to say which one it is because it's questionable content. I don't want people to see the shadiest side of me. Um, We all do it. (laughs) But anyways, um, I like 
was one of their first 100 first 100 subscribers no joke like i was there on their first video they posted mm-hmm. and now they've got a lot of subscribers and people are catching on to them and they're finally hitting algorithms and they're trending and it it takes time it takes time and a lot of work but it'll like it'll happen eventually if you're dedicated and you have like a good solid idea and you know what your audience is and what they want and how to achieve that and then have Mm. the like the means to implement it right like Mm. it's very achievable goal yeah and 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 i see that especially because now i have i have you know more means to acquire a little bit better equipment that i can you know make better quality stuff um but yeah i just i I look at that, but I think sometimes I fall into, because if, if you ever like look up articles or, or read articles about like how to grow your YouTube channel or like how to grow your Twitch channel and stuff like that, a lot of it is the same recycled advice of like, be super positive and, you know, uh, basically they, they say honest? like consistency is key and I know that. But they're basically just well, like, be a, super positive. And I'm like, yeah. well, that's just like recycled fucking garbage. But I don't here's, plan on here's doing the thing, that. Jay. People who write those articles don't have successful YouTube channels. Like I know. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not Jenna Marbles who wrote that, even though I'm not like a Jenna Marbles fan, per, for example. But she's not writing articles on like how to blow up on YouTube. And she's one of the biggest YouTubers in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those people are really going to be repeating a formula that they think works because they're trying to sell you the idea of like yeah you know you know what I mean and also like I went to um like when I was at Midwest Fur Fest I had I, I went to a, a panel about like um like uh furry twitch channels there's like a you know a nice little furry community on twitch and I was like okay let's you know let's see what they have to say and I'm like a lot of these are, they're not super big. I'm, of course, they're not going to be huge Twitch channels because it is a very, like, a small subset, uh, like, community within Twitch. But I was like, these people don't have that large of communities, and they're just saying the same stuff that I heard in the, that I read in the articles. They're like, you know, be be yourself, but not yourself. You know, if you have to create a character, or if you have to create a personality, then then do that. And if that's what gets you views and I'm like, Oh, I just don't want to chase the views. I just want to be myself and make content that I like and put it out on the internet and other like-minded people, I, I believe will find it and, you know, and enjoy it. And if I could just like say something to content creators out there, like if you don't know what you want to create, go enjoy other people's art find what speaks to you you'll know what you really want to see based off of what you enjoy that's how I base a lot of things that I do it's it's not a matter of making content that other people would enjoy it's a matter of making content that I enjoy Mm -hmm. and trusting that there's enough people out there who would like what I have to make and trusting myself to have good enough take taste to make something that other people would like right and that always seems to be the best route when I'm trying to do something that somebody else does when I'm trying to rip something off it's garbage Mm -hmm. but if I take something that inspires me like for example um 
I was having trouble trying to write poems that were that sounded good being spoken aloud. So I went and I watched hours of uh, poetry videos on YouTube. Button Poetry is a channel, and I, I heavily recommend you go watch them and bring a fucking box of tissues because you're going to feel shit and cry, okay? Mm. Um, and immediately after that, I was like, I know what I want to write. And it wasn't like one person's thing. It was like, out of all of this stuff, I just kind of got a feeling of what resonated in me and gave me that emotional response. And then I was like, I'm doing this. And I, I like sat down and wrote some really good fucking poems, right? So like, if you want to do something, do you 100%. Don't do anybody else. But if you're uninspired, just go lose yourself in the enjoyment of it and learn what it feels like to be in love with something again and then go mm-hmm. that I think is the biggest thing for rekindling any fucking spark is like learning why you fell in love with it in the first place right mm-hmm. I actually completely agree with that um though before I get into that a little sidebar about poetry um I know this isn't a poetry episode but whatever there's a little side tangent Poetry, if you study the mechanics of poetry, punctuation, uh, punctuation, pacing, um, the performance of it, it will help you immensely when writing ritual oh, or yeah. spellcrafting. Oh, fucking much. Because I can't tell you how many rituals that I have gone to, like, just public ones, open ones, you know, where it's like, here's the script. Hey, can you call North? Hey, can you, you know, cast a circle, this, that, you know, call the call the deities. And people just take that paper and they're all written very poetically. Like most most ritual scripts that I've seen are written very poetically. Um, so they, they just take the ritual script and they just read it flat. Like no, no nothing, like no pacing, no, no no projection, no power in their voice. They just read it's it. Like they the just read between, the words. It's like the difference between at my right hand, Gabrielle, at, or as I would do, at my right hand, Gabrielle. And like actually intone it right. and, like, and like resonate it and sing it and like the the performance of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I kind of almost want to pull up like an example of this so here is an example from the dedication ritual that me scott and joyce did recently and this actually really ties into the idea of rekindling your spark because that's literally what we did in this ritual kind of like rekindling the witch fire the the witch fire like when we were um we were calling to the familiars of the elements the hare the crow the serpent and the toad okay so there are two ways you could read this. So here's the flat, boring way. All you familiars of the elements, hair, grant me the powers of earth. Crow, grant me the powers of air. Serpent, grant me the powers of fire. Toad, grant me the powers of water. All you spirits, unknown and unnamed, commune with me. I have been in rituals where people read it just like that. And it really just does not vibe with me it breaks the mood it it just it kills the ambiance it it just i don't feel the energy so yeah. you could read it like this and i'm not saying i'm the best but this would be a better way to read these same words 
All ye familiars of the elements, hare, grant me the powers of earth. Crow, grant me the powers of air. Serpent, grant me the powers of fire. Toad, grant me the powers of water. All you spirits unknown and unnamed, commune with me. See, like the pacing is different and it makes you feel more things. Yeah. Instead of just kind of rushing through it. So I'm not saying that everyone has to become an English major in order to write effective ritual or spellcrafting. But listen to just even even if you're not like into reading about punctuation and shit like that, just read or just watch videos or listen to recordings of people perform poetry because it's it's just really good to 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 incorporate into your rituals, especially if you're um, if you're working with a group or with the public, you really want to get people um, involved. In fact, I'll send us off at the end of the episode today with one of the poems that I've written myself, if you'd like. Yeah, that would be great. That would actually be yeah. really nice. But um, I'd also like to kind of jump over to the whole rekindling your witchcraft. Because, mm-hmm. like, that is a whole nother fucking discussion. Because, like, I can, I can reignite uh, my art by rekindle my passion for my art by observing other people's art. But... Mm-hmm. You can't really do that with witchcraft, you know? Sometimes, um, if you are lucky enough... So, sometimes people will post videos of rituals online. Um, They're normally, I guess... They're not, like, the really, really deep ones, but... It, there is a there there's some out there that you can that you can view um so that would be one way if you're fortunate enough to live in an area where there are groups of people that practice that you know may be looking to invite some people or um maybe open to the public definitely go and attend if you can because that's an incredible way to because there there have been plenty of times where i have been in a complete lull with my craft and i haven't done anything and I feel really disconnected and I'm like oh that's right there's there's this Sabbath coming up and there's going to be a ritual at the um mm-hmm. at the occult shop and I'm like okay I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and I'm gonna enjoy it and I come out of there feeling so invigorated and so inspired and so just reconnected yeah and that's really kind of one of the advantages of like being a communal witch is that you have that community right mm-hmm. um i think it can be a real struggle for um solitary practitioners like me to rekindle your passion when something um when you're kind of not feeling it it's like i know no witch is truly solitary we always have like books we read we have others we talk to it's just that we don't necessarily actively practice with other people and i find for me um Rekindling my craft comes down a lot to learning to let go. I like a lot of um, my my relationship with magic. It's just that it's a relationship. It's a back and forth. And just like with a partner, just like with somebody you're not even dating. If one person holds all the cards in a power dynamic, it kind of doesn't work. 
And when I feel like I'm too beaten down or too above the world that I'm better than it all, it doesn't really work. And it's kind of like that pendulum, you know, you're like swing from either side a little bit, but the true middle is kind of what you're looking for. Right. And I find for me, how I get there is like trying to learn to humble myself again, to not see myself as mightier than anybody else. I, I, I am no more than the grass I stride across yet. I am no less than a God, you know? Um, and kind of really accepting myself and who I am and what I'm like and like really also realizing how much I defend certain behaviors of myself that I don't need to and we have all these walls that we build up that I can let down and there's all these masks that I wear and personas I play but they're not quite me at the end of the day. Um, there's a lot to it. And I think when I really want to rekindle the spark, it's not about adding on more stuff. It's not about getting more books, doing more rituals. It's about cutting away. It's about getting rid of the stuff that doesn't serve me. It's about taking time to actually remember to meditate taking time to just breathe and feel the fucking wonder of being alive, you know, feel this, the wind on my skin and like just gaze into the sky and be amazed that I'm here. You know, like there's so much shit that pulls us away from the wonder of life. We got all the bullshit with politics. We got society like borderline wanting to collapse right now. We got global warming impending. It's so easy to feel like there's nothing you can do, but what you can do is go outside and breathe still or be present with yourself where you're at and recognize that I'm still here and I'm going to be here even if bad stuff happens and that no matter what happens, it's okay. And really let go of all that tension that anxiety and when I cut loose all of that shit there I am and there it is and it's always been there and it was just getting covered up that by stuff that didn't need to be in the way and I can kind of see it again and get in tune with it and yeah stuff's gonna come back in and cover it up and it's this constant process of like cutting away the old that doesn't serve us anymore so we can bring in the new. It's literally just like pruning a tree. And it's good. It's just the, the process of life and creativity and craft. And sometimes you got to find renewal with the seasons. Like, if you're not feeling it, I mean, go out and just be in fucking spring. Watch the plants grow. See the animals, like, having children and everything just being alive around you. And you're a part of it. And taking that in and I feel like that's what a solitary witch really can do if you don't have the spoons to be with people you can at least be with yourself yeah I um I was actually trying to do a little bit of that on my walk home because sometimes like so I take the bus and sometimes that walk home like it's not very long 
But sometimes I have a tendency to just like, I don't know, almost black it out, right? Because I do it every day. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, just get get home as soon as fast, like as fast as I can. I'm just walking as fast as I can, so I can just get home and close the door and not have to deal with the world. And I wasn't having a particularly good day, but I recognized that I was not having a good day, and I recognized that I needed I needed to at least try to get my brain a little bit more on track. And so I was like, okay, like, I can feel my feet hitting the pavement. I can feel that. I can feel the the cold air on my face. It's cold. It's, you know, it's chillier today than it was yesterday. And I was f- focusing on the difference in the temperature change. And I was like, okay, you know, there was this weird smell on my walk home the other day but now there's the weird smell isn't there so i'm like well that's actually kind of nice like (laughs) the weird smell isn't there and i was just really trying to yeah i was a little worried i was like is there like a gas leak around here somewhere but um yeah like a rotting body (laughs) yeah it was just it was just funky i don't know but um but yeah i was just like taking note of of all these different sensory things and i'm like okay there's there's a crack here in the sidewalk and there's grass right there. And, you know, these are all the different, Oh, that person has like a bush in front of their house. And I was just really trying to be present in the moment on that walk. Even though I do it every day, I was actually noticing little details that I normally don't really take note of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of, it was kind of, um, anticlimactic though because i was actually i had to walk past my house because i wanted to go pick up a book from the library that i had on hold so i walked to the library and the last time i and i went to the library on monday and they were closed due to like emergency building things and i was Mm -hmm. like god damn it so then i went back there today to go pick up the book that i have on hold and they were closed again (laughs) i was like like i was like okay i'm feeling good i'm gonna go to the library and pick up my book and i got to the door and the door was locked and i was like motherfucker (laughs) And so that kind of like, it kind of set me back a little bit because I was like, man, I just want to do this one thing. I just want to pick up this book. And then, you know, I got kind of wrapped up in my own bullshit again. But at least on the walk there, I, I was recognizing that like, okay, today is not great, but I need to do something to focus on being present in the moment instead of just harping on all the other shit that I have floating around in my head. And it did work. Um, and then the, the library thing kind of tipped me over. So there's that, but I mean, no one's perfect. (laughs) We all have our moments for sure. Nobody's like always happy. That's just bullshit. That's just toxic new age nonsense that really has no place. Um, you know, I keep getting, Facebook ads. And I know everyone gets Facebook ads, but I've been really noticing the Facebook ads that have been being targeted to me. One, a lot of them are underwear ads, which I don't understand. Um, And actually, I have all of the Facebook, like, you know, where it says, like, oh, target ads based on my interests and stuff like that. I have that turned off. And what I've been doing, because I noticed, like, every third post on Facebook is a fucking ad. And so I'll go to the ad and then I'll click hide ads 
reason being irrelevant. And then I click um, hide all ads from this company. And the ads still show up. It still <laughs> keeps happening. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I can't, like, I can't just, like... I can't just like scroll through my Facebook feed and look and see what all my friends are posting and not be inundated with fucking ads. But there was this one ad. Um, it was for a, you know, like those subscription box things. Everyone's got a subscription box for something now. And it was for crystals. And it was just the dumbest fucking ad I've ever seen in my life. It was just like this guy was wearing a suit and he had a beard and like long hair that was pulled back and then he gets his box of crystals and he opens the box of crystals and all of a sudden he's like in a t-shirt and like yoga pants and he's meditating in the circle of crystals and you know his his long hair is is down and and i was like this is just so fucking stupid and I don't know. It, I don't know if, if this really even relates to the fucking topic at all at this point. But I, I, it really just, it bothers me with that kind of like toxic positivity kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, just or just, just get this thing and it'll make you feel better. These crystals will fix your life. These crystals will make you happy. Or, you know, it's okay. Everything is fine. You are, you are spirit. You are this. You know, like it's just gonna make everything better. Like no, and and that's the whole point of like where you're at when you have to feel like you have to rekindle yourself is when you're at a low point when you're like, man, everything kind of sucks right now, and I need to get out of this. And these quick fix, new agey solutions are not, not the answer. That's for damn sure. I will say this, though. New Age definitely does get a very bad rap, and not everything that's New Age is trash. Um, Correct. The problem is, very often, New Age is used as a vessel to package either toxic ideas or materialistic goals that often Mm -hmm. prey upon people who are unsuspecting and simply looking for enlightenment or personal revelation or growth, which are all very positive things. So I've met very genuine, wonderful people who are in the new age community. And I've also met the worst motherfucking hucksters who will like take advantage of your mom and rob her of every penny she has and leave her fucking broke. Mm -hmm. And that's that, you know, and I don't mean like your mom or my mom, but like it could be somebody's mom. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And that is something that definitely needs to be addressed. And we're kind of starting to see that seep over to witchcraft. And Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily a problem that's inherently um, a new age thing. It's a capitalization of financial gain off of belief systems that are seen to be trendy at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. it's purely like capitalist fucks in boardrooms wondering or like rubbing their grubby hands together, wondering who they can fuck over to make more profits this month, you know? Yeah. And and I guess in uh, we could probably do actually a whole podcast on the New Age movement, like the pros and cons of it. But the one thing that I that I do see as like a benefit to it is that I think a lot of people, even regardless of their religious background, kind of draw upon some of the New Age beliefs a little bit like they incorporate that a little bit into their outlook. And I think it makes people a little bit 
uh, I don't know, maybe worldly, a little bit easier to deal with sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, so I'm grateful for that, at least that that aspect what, of it. What I really like out of it the most, hands down, was the fact that it invited people from different cultures, beliefs, and spiritual systems to sit down in the same room and talk about what they believe without one person attacking another. I I legitimately have seen such healthy, positive spaces in the New Age community occasionally um, where people, we there was a space we made one time where you, we had Satanists and atheists uh-huh. and like occultists like me and, and like Gnostic Christians and like uh, New Age people and like... Um, Every, all kinds of different faiths and we were all coming together and just sitting down talking about what we believed mm. and when nobody was trying to assert like one was better than another we could examine all of these really cool themes that were like uh, that were reoccurring in different cultures and practices around the world mm. and I think that yeah, in that kind of environment, new age can be really positive because it can bring people together for like a cool conversation, although it can end up being really fucking culturally appropriative. Not to yeah. say that witchcraft can't either, because ho oh girl, it fucking can. Mm-hmm. But new age it's, is especially bad for it. Yes, um, it can definitely be a slippery slope. And I think that also kind of like factors into this idea of rekindling your spark is sometimes I feel like the terminology rekindling your spark feels very, I guess, new agey in a way. Um, And it can very quickly delve into that category, especially like with people's advice, you know, like I can almost imagine like if you posted like on a, I guess a more new age leaning like witch group. If you were like, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm really feeling disconnected from stuff. Like, what can I do? I'm sure some people would be like, well, you know, like take a bath and put a crystal in it and you'll feel better. Um, which may, may be the thing to do, but you know what I mean? Sometimes you need to see a therapist. Right. Exactly. So like, you know, there's not, um, I guess that's what I want to kind of point out. There's not a one size fits all answer for this question. And that's kind of uh, something I kind of want to pose to the community because I know how I deal with rekindling my spark for things. And it's very similar to what Sophia said, you know, drawing inspiration from other people um, or just taking a step back and trying to see the situation through an outsider's eyes you know like Mm -hmm. trying not to look at something through your own eyes and just trying to take that extra step back and that's particularly helpful for um relationships um yeah if you can if you can take a step back and kind of get like a bird's eye view of the situation and try and see both sides of of what's going on um that can be actually very beneficial for rekindling the spark in relationships um but uh i would be really interested to see what other people do because i don't think it's something that we really talk about a lot like we'll we'll talk about when we're down and we'll talk about 
you know, oh, this is bothering me or I'm stressed. But we don't talk about the things that we do to get through it. Because eventually we do. Like we all do. You know what I mean? Like we, we get through whatever that that issue is, that hurdle is. Um, but we never really talk about, we never really follow up with each other and say how we got there. That's true, yeah. Because sometimes we're not even sure how we got there. A lot of the time, we're just, like, struggling and taking what comes to us when it comes and, like, just trusting that when you take the step, the the floor is going to be there, right? So half the time you ask someone how they got there and their answer will be, like, shit if i fucking knew right. i'd have like the secret to the world right yeah sometimes you just gotta like have like have faith and hold on is as shitty as that may sound you know because it's not always that easy yeah you kind of just have to keep pushing but don't push yourself to the point where you break i think yeah. that's the important part like you have to know you have to feel it within yourself you have to know like when when to back off and like when to back off and take a break and then when to 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 reattack something you know like re get get back into it and really start to dig into it um yeah yeah i would be really interested to know what other people do to to kind of rekindle their spark so definitely like comment somewhere or We'll we'll start making attention. threads, I think, for each uh, episode in the Facebook group, so we can talk about people's thoughts on on yeah. it for themselves. Because we're starting to pose them as a question, you know, and we really do want to get people involved in the discussion. You know, we want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you, in particular, wanted to say on this topic? Well, I mean, you had mentioned like how do you rekindle relationships, but my mm. answer to that is I don't fucking know because <laughs> like. I'm polyamorous and um, if a relate like here's how it works for me when I can make a relationship work really well but when I start like dating somebody else and I have like that new relationship energy it's not like I just suddenly forget about all my partners mm-hmm. it's like makes how me do you feel balance that I'll, ex- I'm ex- I'll explain it right now that's what I'm trying to do um mm-hmm when I have like new relationship energy or like I'm crushing on someone and I'm really excited about it, it just makes me even happier when I'm around my other partners. Cause then I have like stuff to tell them about and like stuff to look forward to. And then I'm like super appreciative of like the fact that she's excited for me and like how much I love her. And like the fact that everybody's happy and we get to like have this situation and it just like sends me over the fucking moon with happiness and like, makes it better when I'm spending time with my other partners too right and like I don't know it's like the fact that I don't have to like chain myself to one thing and like stick myself down with one partner long term I mean not long term per se but like in a committed sense it allows me to like just do exactly what I like with the partner and like that stuff doesn't really get old to me and if like I outgrow the relationship it's it's easy to move on you know because it's not like I'm their everything and it's not like they're my everything and Mm -hmm. we may not have built a life together unless you're like nesting partners and you like live together cohabit that's a lot different right Mm -hmm. but when you're dating and you live separately if like 
you both started moving separate directions. It's not just suddenly like, bam, you're alone, you know? Um, right. To quote my one friend, Val, who's very dear to my heart, the polyamorous experience is crying about your breakup while on your way to dinner with your other partner to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah, I guess I guess it does make sense. Never thought about that, eh? Yeah, no, not really, because I've only ever been in uh, monogamous um, relationships. It's a lot of work, but the amount of emotional satisfaction and like happiness I get out of it, it's unparalleled. Hmm. Yeah. What about you? What do you do to rekindle a relationship? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, this is kind of like a a multifaceted conversation because I just kind of want to say this. There is no rekindling something that is inherently broken. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's broken, it's broken. Um, abuse is abuse. So, you know what I mean? Like, you have to, there, there's, a, there's a lot of layers there. So, if you were in an abusive situation, it's an abusive situation. And there's there's no way to to spin it. There's no spin on that. And that's the problem with abuse is one or the other tries to put a spit on it. You know, the the abuser is putting a spit on it like, oh, no, like, I love you. This is fine. And basically, you know, the the one being abused is like, oh, I love you. This is fine. Um, So it takes some some wisdom, I suppose, to, to know whether you're just going through a funk versus this is not going to work. Yeah. This is inherently wrong and we shouldn't be doing this. And I think honestly that comes with age and maturity. Um, because my my first relationship, it should not have lasted as long as it did. It was not healthy. Um and there was no rekindling there. That was it was just not going to happen. Um I've only been in three relationships in my life that is something i guess is a little bit unusual for maybe the the millennials i don't know what our relationship a lot of people i've talked to are between three to ten maybe maybe like 15 at tops i'm like if that's including like people fucked i've like Mm. let me think i've dated four people and i've fucked around 10 for sure Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna sit here and count it out but i know it's at least 10 (laughs) right (laughs) and so and and that's the other distinction to make you know like are we just talking about like sexual partners versus like cultivated relationships you know or emotional partners right or emotional partners in um polyamory you can have what's known as a queer platonic relationship where like you that can have numerous different um, rules for it. So like, for example, you could have a QPR like my girlfriend does who they aren't like romantically dating. They Mm -hmm. aren't planning on like, I mean, they're like physically intimate, but they aren't like romantically dating, but they also like want to kind of live a life together where they always know each other and have that like intimate relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, might even cohabit one day you never know so like there's that and then sometimes qpr is like when you care about someone and you love them but you don't have um 
like romantic or like sexual feelings or want to be physically intimate with them Mm -hmm. but they're still like incredibly dear to your heart you might even like try to express this type of um love as you're like a sibling to me Mm -hmm. right um that's another type of qpr situation so there's like a lot of different um types of relationships in polyamory that there's room for you can also have like friends with benefits which is essentially where you're physically or sexually intimate with someone but not necessarily emotionally or romantic but you could be emotionally involved with them but generally if you're friends with benefits you're not romantically involved such as Mm. like dating yeah yeah um I, I think the whole the whole polyamory angle adds like a adds so many different layers um, to managing relationships. And I always I always make this this joke to Joyce. I was like, I don't know how poly people do it. I can barely handle one. You know, I can barely handle one relationship that I focus on and and keep going. And you know, we kind of kind of laugh about that. So it really props to all the poly people out there that manage these relationships because whew, y'all put in some some fucking work. I've um, got a big heart, and I I <laughs> couldn't give it to just one person and feel like that's me. Yeah, see, I'm I'm a little opposite. Like, I feel like I should really, like, I really need to focus on one person, one relationship, um, and really just give it my all and really just Here's the put thing, in. Though, mm. I give all of my relationships my all. I I don't really like to casually date people. Um, I don't either. But what which I which is do, why I've only been in three relationships my entire life. Yeah. But what I do is I give it my all in what connects for us, mm-hmm. right? So, like, Violet and I connect in a lot of levels, so I give it my all with that. Um, certain levels we don't connect in because no one's going to be exactly like you, and you'll have different me- needs met with different partners. Mm-hmm. So, like, what you get out of each different relationship is what you give your all to, right? So, like... Mm-hmm. Violet has all of my introversion and all the stuff that we do together. Like I'll read her my poetry uh, when we're one-on-one because I know she's not like keen on coming out to like big social gatherings or like open mic. Uh, She might do an open mic night, but she doesn't like dance parties, for example, you know? So like there's other stuff I'll do with other people where I'm still giving it my all. And I love these people with all of my heart, you know, like, but it's it's almost like I've you heard the metaphor of cheeses, right? Like you like mozzarella, right? Mm-hmm. And you like cheddar, right? Yeah. It's not like one is worse than the other. No, you just like them differently. And you like them f- for what they are, not because of what they aren't, right? Right. Yeah, you like them for what they are. You like them situationally. You know, like what's like what do we have? You know what I mean? It's like what's it's the? It's not like you half-ass like it. It's not like you just kind of like mozzarella. Like you like it, it's good. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like the same thing with cheddar. It's like that with polyamory. Mm-hmm. And if you're a cheese fan, I know there's people out there who this is just clicking with. They're like, oh fuck, I get it. Like, I am. I, I am clicking with it. But- yeah, I am clicking with it, but not as much because I am lactose intolerant. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I do get the cheese analogy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a, I'm not like um, a chartreuse person. I don't like cheeses or meats or crackers, and I'm really bad at those types of parties. And I just stand around awkwardly and like eat the fucking Cheetos like a heathen. <laughs> yeah, the 
the Cheeto, the Cheeto snatcher. Um, no, I just, I, I don't like that fancy bullshit food. Somebody busts out like a, a shrimp ring and I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. And somebody busts out like a bag of Doritos and I'm like, yo, ho, ho, over here. <laughs> See, I, I will go for the shrimp thing, though, because I'm like, oh, motherfucking shrimp. What? You went all out for this party. Give me some of that. <laughs> I always thought, like, shrimp ring was the equivalent of, like, white persons. Hey, I want to, like, put some money into this, but no effort. So pretty much, yeah. That's thing. pretty much what it is. Not yeah. going to lie. Or, like, a meat and cheese tray. Yeah, that's pretty much what oh, it yeah. is. Money and no effort. Yes, exactly. Um. But yeah, to 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 get back to relationships and away from food. Um, but yeah, yeah kind of similar. Yeah, honestly, some people have really nice relationships with food. So, and sometimes mm-hmm. bad relationships with food. Um, mm-hmm. So, for me, I guess I'm I'm coming at it from a, a pretty strictly monogamous angle. Um. Like I said, you can't rekindle something that is inherently broken. If you're not meant to be together, if you're not meant to be, um, there, like the the way that, um, but I will say that there is a time and place for everything. I used to never believe in the, you know, we're not right for each other right now kind of phrasing of things but um actually in the case of me and joyce it was very accurate in college we had entertained the idea and we recognized slash kind of unspokenly were like this isn't a good idea i was also in a relationship with someone else so like it was just weird it was a weird time and then look you know years later here we are so things can happen in in weird ways like that but i would say like if you're in a relationship with someone you've been in a relationship for a while you know like, let's say you you've reached you've you've crossed that one year threshold you know sometimes things can feel a little stagnant like you've gone on all the cool dates you've or you feel like you've gone on all the cool dates you've talked about all the things you've watched all the movies and now what you know what i mean um Sometimes yeah. it's nice to just chill. Always keep that in mind because if you are with someone and you can't just chill with them and just enjoy their company for a length of time, then you know maybe you want to reevaluate some things about what you see in this person because I think it's really important to to just be able to just be in that person's presence. You don't necessarily have to be doing anything. You could just be just yeah. laying on the couch, reading a book. It doesn't matter. Um, a lot of times when you hear the term rekindling the spark in, in a relationship aspect, most people are talking about like the bedroom. And I really am not going to claim to be an expert on that because it's really in it. Cause a lot of the advice that's given is very um, vanilla, I suppose. Oh, you're going to have to defer to me who's like <laughs> borderline a professional dominatrix. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying. I, and I don't necessarily want this to delve into like an after dark episode. But the idea is like. I mean, we keep taunting people with that, though. It and will happen. Fucking it delivering. will happen. It will happen. But I need all three of us for that. It needs to be a thing. Um. 
but yeah, a lot of people, especially like with magazine articles you find and stuff like that, most of the advice that you find about rekindling the spark in your relationship is like centered around, you know, sex. And that doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. It's And like I said, it's, it comes from a really vanilla perspective because who knows what, like, no one knows what each other's partner is into. You know what I mean? Like some of these articles are like, oh, I don't know, like... I think one one of them that I read once what? was like like no one used... knows what their partners into right like some people just don't know and I'm like okay well you gotta have conversations you have to Bitch, like literally... I can play what every partner I have been with is into out on a fucking mm-hmm. smorgasbord spreadsheet exactly and sometimes I I think it's gonna sound a little cliche but I think probably the most important thing if if you're feeling like you need to rekindle the spark in any particular way is to literally have a conversation about it. I'm just saying like, just over coffee, just have a conversation, just talk, not like hint around and make passive aggressive Facebook comments and leave notes on the fridge and, and all this nonsense, like literally just be like, Hey, I've been meaning to ask you about blah. And then just ask the question. And I think that, for me has been the most effective way at communicating um, because it really lines up with my personality and how I am. And I can really just present mature it in a way that in a nutshell though, like you huh? gotta be, that's just me mature communication. in a mm-hmm. nutshell, like you gotta be clear and straightforward. You can't expect people to anticipate your needs yes. and being passive aggressive is just pissing people off and it's not going to solve the situation. And mm-hmm. it's you just venting your emotions in an unhealthy way that expects someone else to somehow magically determine what you feel from your pissed off actions. Exactly. So yeah. I guess it may be a bit of a letdown. You know, the, the secret to rekindling the spark is communication, but it is. It really it is. You is. have you have it's to get to also, the root of what is going on. It's also the secret of not losing the spark to begin with. I'll tell yeah. you a secret. Every relationship I had where the spark died, the relationship died too. Mm-hmm. Because it got to that point because the communication like eroded, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like for example, why Violet and I are so fucking strong is like. We just talk about stuff. Like last time I was over, I was like, hey, here's something. Um, I'm not like mad at you about it. And I know why it happened, but I'd appreciate it if we could work on that. And then she was just like, yeah, totally. I'm sorry. And I'm like, well, no, I don't want you to apologize because I know it like has something to do with your mental health. I don't want you to like feel bad about that. I just want you to be aware of it. I don't ever want you to like feel like you're in the wrong for having forgotten stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then she was, like, really appreciative of that. And, like, it was so fucking healthy. And it, like, makes her want to do good rather than, like, being, why didn't you do that and making her feel bad for forgetting? Just, like, giving her that right. gentle reminder of being, like, hey, I really appreciate it when you do this. And it's okay that you forget sometimes. And I'll remind you all the time. But I really would appreciate it. And it's so easy and then she's just like yeah is there anything else that was bothering you you know and she'll ask it like that and I'll be like no is there something that was bothering you and she'll be like no not at all and it's just done and it's not like a big deal and it's just so easy and painless mm-hmm. yeah I, I love the hell out of my girlfriend yeah absolutely and you should and that's great 
Um, and I'm glad that you guys have, have such good communication because it's just so it's just so fucking important. And I'm not talking about communication in terms of like you have to have like some some written 10 page contract about your relationship. That's not what I'm getting into. It's just if something do that in polyamory, they have like a pol- they have like a um a relationship agreement contracts, not necessarily properly written up. Some people do right, them. but yeah. I mean, I guess in poly situations, I guess that um, would apply more. Yeah, um, if you're like a fucking lawyer. Yeah, and and it really depends on your your spe- you know, like your personal preference and taste of how you like to approach things. Um, but yeah, I would say that in terms of relationships, communication is key in rekindling any spark, and like Sophia said, not not losing it um, to begin with. You have to be able to talk to people. And so you have to be able to dish criticism as well as take it and um, give compliments as well as receive them. It's like a healthy, it's a healthy balance. It's a healthy back and forth. And listen, listen to people. Don't just, don't just talk at them and say, here are my list of grievances. Change your ways. You know, it's, it's not like that. It's, okay, well, this thing happened, and I feel some type of way about it. And then, you know, your partner can turn around and be like, okay, well, this happened, and I feel some type of way about it. And then you have to, you know, be like, not go tit for tat with each other, but you have to have a conversation about it. And another Um, big thing about listening is, like, engaging mentally with what they say rather mm -hmm. than just waiting to say your response. mm Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really, I know that like in our society, um, you know, a, a couple has a fight and the one of the partners goes out and buys some flowers and chocolates and says, I'm sorry. I've never had a that. partner buy me fucking flowers in my life. Right. But I, that's what we see in TV. You know, like that's what we see in pop culture and media. You know, it's always it's always someone is obviously wrong. And goes out and does this gesture and is sorry. And then it's like, oh, okay. I mean, if you really, really actually, like, fucked something up, I guess that's appropriate. Um, Like, oh, sorry I crashed your car into a wall? I don't know. (laughs) Like, you know. But um, I suppose that would be nice. To like be like, hey, I'm really sorry about that because I fucked your car up. But overall, that's really not the way to to handle things. Yeah, I think that about covers it. I if your if your sex is vanilla and you don't want it to be vanilla, talk about it. Look into kink. Look into kink. Y'all are probably kinky fucking bitches <laughs> with a lot of shit you want to do that ain't ain't that vanilla and i'll be honest a a lot of people think like whips and chains and bondage when they hear kink but like man it's it's a lot fucking broader than that you would not believe how many people just really like you to scratch their back in a really intense way you know Mm -hmm. or just nibble on their ear or something like that like it's it's anything that really you enjoy the sensation of deeply, you know, that is erogenous. And 
explore each other's bodies, find out what feels good, talk about what feels good, make sure you know what doesn't, and make sure your partners are aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like, we should make a commitment right now in this podcast. We're actually going to gonna... do the fucking kink episode I, that we've I been think talking about be... for like a year plus. Yes. But we're gonna make it for a specific. We're gonna make it for like Beltane time. That's my anniversary. Fuck. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, Just... it's a very like hyper sexual passion springtime kind of kind of time. So wow. um, it's wow, super that's... potent, super potent to and relevant to talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, so I think we should commit to that. Yeah. Yeah. God, my anniversary is on Walpurgis Noct. How fucking cool is that? pretty fucking cool so i think we're good i think we we've talked about about this quite at length yeah Uh, like i said earlier in in the episode i would really like to hear some responses to this and how you all rekindle your spark when you're when you're not feeling it shall i uh take us away with that poem i said i would read yeah that sounds good so this is called Foam Line Sunset. It is one of the poems that I read at my open mic night. Leaving is oh so simple when you feel life in a ripple. No memories held tied to tides, no hands held that you'd miss. No place or person keeps you here. It's best to not reminisce. But stay a while quite far away and maybe you will see Not all you left so far behind was never meant to be. And if you find upon your time a sense of old regret, it's best you do not hide your shame. Yet hold on, don't forget. Unpleasantly, your memory sits right beside the sea of people left in social cleft, something I thought I'd flee. But now a space and memory to trace, I left in such a race. Now I'm laying here, missing every queer I left back in that place.